encounter Jesus uh, not through the eyes of the Samaritan woman, but through two other people in a no less poignant way, through the eyes of Mary Magdalene and Doubting Thomas. So if you could follow with me, I'm going to read from John chapter 20, uh, this section where Jesus, the risen Christ, encounters Mary Magdalene and then Doubting Thomas, and I trust that God would speak to us through their lives. Let's pray and then read God's Word. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that You are indeed so glorious and good and You are at work, Lord, um, showing Yourself to many, many people throughout the globe, even in our lifetime. And we want to see You, Jesus. We want to encounter You this morning. So speak to us through the Word and touch each mind and heart this morning, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 20, starting in verse 11, and I'll read through to the end the story of Mary Magdalene and and Thomas. Um, This is Sunday morning. Christ has already risen. And it says in verse 11, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid Him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing Him to be the gardener, she said to Him, Sir, if you have carried Him away, tell me where you have laid Him, and I will take Him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, that He had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, even so I am sending you. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord 
and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in His name. God's Word from John chapter 20. What I want to do is just look at these two people, Mary Magdalene and, and Thomas, Doubting Thomas as we call him, and, and learn about Jesus, learn about them, but through their lives, learn about Jesus. We meet in the, this section Mary Magdalene. And Mary is featured in the Gospels. There's a lot that's said about Mary uh, in our culture uh, at this point in time. A lot of stuff that's really just pure fiction based on, um, based on uh, ideas that came up a lifetime or more later after the Scriptures were given. And really, it's just, it's just fiction. Uh, but what we read in the Scriptures is, is truth and it is a much more noble picture and concise picture of Mary. Mary uh, is called Mary Magdalene. Uh, that's because she came from the town of Magdala, which is on the uh, western shore of the Sea of Galilee. And if we look in Luke chapter 8, we learn that this woman, Mary, had seven demons afflicting her, dwelling in her. And Jesus came and rescued her, and that, that's how she started following Jesus. And just to think a little bit about her life and a little bit about her background, what would it have been like to have been Mary Magdalene? To live life, to try to get by in life with seven demons afflicting her. The, 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 the level of just probably emotional and spiritual abuse and turmoil that went on inside of her is perhaps unimaginable. Uh, living under constant torment. Her days were probably full of confusion and dark, destructive thoughts, temptations, and despair. These are the sorts of things that, that the devil and his minions do. And she has seven of them afflicting her. Her life was probably just defined by this confusion and this despair and this darkness. And for her, the day, the day was awful and the night probably was even worse because it just added an outer darkness to enhance her inner darkness. She probably didn't sleep well, tossing and turning night after night. Nightmares, loneliness, despair. In all likelihood, her friends and family had given up on hope for her and probably abandoned her to the streets. That's what often was done in cases like this in that day. And so she's lost, she's afflicted, she's alone. She lives with these seven demons. She's living really a living hell with little or no hope of rescue. Now Mary is not unique. Mary is a picture of, of many living in our day. There are many who live day to day in this sort of darkness, this sort of despair, with little or no hope. We see them at times out on the street, don't we? Crossing a main intersection, oblivious to traffic. Perhaps under the influence of inner demons or addictions. Maybe mental illness or, or a combination of things that approximate or actually are demonic affliction. They're all around. And they're all around in a city like Haverhill. What happens in cities is often the things that are hidden elsewhere get exposed in cities. And we see the Mary Magdalene's all around us. Some of the Marys actually though live behind a facade of respectability. But they're suffering the same fates. They're desperate for deliverance of some sort. Yet they 
can present a fairly normal life, but inside are tortured and desperate, just trying to survive, just trying to deal with life, often giving themselves to hidden addictions that, that give them a sense of making it. These are the Mary Magdalene's of our city. And Jesus Christ came for such as these. At some point, Mary meets Jesus and He delivers her from these seven demons. All this darkness, all this despair, all this torment in her life is in a moment gone and replaced with light and life and love and forgiveness and hope. Her life gets transformed as she encounters Jesus and and her tormentors are driven off and there's healing and new life. And so she starts to follow Jesus. She's one of, her, one of Jesus' uh, female disciples. She follows Jesus and she travels with Him and helps support Him with other women of means like Joanna and uh, Susanna and others that are mentioned. She supports His ministry. She's there with Him. She stays with Jesus throughout. She's there with Jesus when He's on the cross. She follows Him up through all of that. And she's there with Him on the cross. Can you imagine for Mary what it was like? You've experienced radical change in your life. Christ has demonstrated that He is God in the flesh in your own life by delivering you from demonic oppression and the darkness and despair of your life. He's come in with His light and you put all your faith in Him and you followed Him and now He's on the cross dying a shameful death. A scandalous way to die as a criminal shamefully crucified. And they, at this point, don't really understand what's going on. So this is, for Mary, just a, I'm sure a, play, a point of just confusion and grief and sorrow as she watches Christ be crucified. And she remains throughout the whole ordeal, actually. She's there when they take His body down from the cross and they place it in the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, which was nearby. She lingered and she saw the stone door rolled over the entrance and His shocking death sealed as an undeniable and really unfathomable fact. On Sunday morning, she is there among the first to visit the tomb. And she finds it empty. And at this point, they don't know what's going on. Others run off. She lingers at the tomb. She's there and she's crying, wondering what has happened. This is, this is insult to injury. Not only was He crucified, but now someone has stolen His body? So she lingers there, full of confusion. Maybe some of those old feelings of despair and doubt are creeping back in. Wondering. But she's hanging on. She's believing. And in the storyline, uh, she sees these angels, these two figures in white that are there inside the tomb. And she still doesn't get it. She doesn't know that they're angels, obviously. She thinks they're just people. Maybe that work there or whatever. And, and she's just not seen maybe through her grief. We don't know all the details. She doesn't get it. And so uh, She says, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid Him. She, she asks, she tells the, the two angels, 
that instead of seeing that they're angels. Now, in Scripture, when we see things like this and we see Mary not getting it, it it's not there so we'll, we could say, well, you know, how could she not get that? I mean, how could you be not, not see what's going on? How could you not get the story? Uh, it, it's not there for humor. This isn't like a biblical dumb blonde joke or something like that. This is, this is Mary representing really you and me. It's a picture of who we are. It's a picture of, of what life looks like for us at times. And we can be just like Mary. Even if we've experienced Jesus and we've seen Him change our lives and we have faith, at times we encounter things that make us confused and, and keep us from seeing. And we can behave just this way. Yet in Mary, even though she's confused, even though she's not getting it, it she has a faith. It's a frail faith. But it's there. It's real. And so she holds on. She holds on to Jesus, even though she doesn't understand. I'm so glad these stories are in Scripture because there's times when my life looks just like that. And to know that part of what's going on is, is the Lord is going to answer Mary. He's going to help her even in her, her, her confusion and perhaps her doubt and her weakness. And so the dialogue continues. And someone else asks her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She doesn't know who it is. And she says, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. She thinks it's the gardener. She thinks it's someone working there. That maybe they moved his body because they, you know, the, the guy that owned the tomb didn't want a criminal in his own tomb. Put it somewhere else. And then Jesus answers her in a tone and voice that she knew with her name. Mary. Can you imagine that moment? What it would have been like for Mary Magdalene at that moment hearing Jesus. You, you hear His voice and you know. And just all the things that are going on. I, I just imagine life slowed down for her. Slow motion just thinking through what? That's Jesus' voice. He's alive. And just all that was going on. And going from, from grief and confusion to joy and hope in that moment. And, and she responds, Raboni, which would have been the, the term that she would have used for him. It's a, it's a term of respect and endearment together. It's, it's her, and would have been all the disciples' personal name for Jesus, personal title for Jesus. In the storyline, it, it, it looks like that she basically hugs him. She grabs a hold of him and holds on to him. And of course, right? You would do the same. This is, this is the one who's delivered you. This is what, the one who's the, the, the Messiah, the King, the Savior, the one who you put your hope in. And you've just gone through all this crazy emotion. You saw him die on the cross. You saw him put in the tomb. And then you thought the body had been stolen. And now here he is alive in front of you. And so she embraces him. She holds on to him. And, and he has to say to her, do not cling to me. Of course she was going to cling to Him. Of course she was going to hold on to Jesus. He's there. He's alive. He says, Do not cling to Me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to My brothers and say to them, I am ascending to My Father and to your Father, to My God and your God. It's not that Jesus doesn't do hugs or something. He's just saying, okay, now you're going to let Me go. <laughs> we have some other things to do here. 
I want you to go tell the disciples. And we have a plan. I'm going to show myself to people. Lots of people. All the disciples. I'm going to show myself to, to my, my, brother, my half-brother James. I'm going to show myself to 500 people. I'm going to do all these things. And then I'm going to ascend. So, okay. <laughs> Time to go and tell the other disciples. And so she goes. And uh, it, it's glorious. Then we see Thomas in the story. He's the other character here. And Thomas is a contrast to Mary in many ways. Where Mary is present with Jesus throughout the whole thing, Thomas is absent, noticeably. He's not at the cross. The disciples had fled for fear that they too were going to be imprisoned. So Thomas fled along with the disciples. He's not there at the cross. He's not there when the body's taken down, when Jesus' body's taken down. He's not there at the tomb. He's absent where Mary's present constantly. And he's not there that first Sunday night when Jesus shows up and appears to the disciples. He, had, he was absent throughout. And, and we can kind of get a sense for Thomas as we look through Scripture. He's, he's featured most in the Gospel of John. And so early on in John 11, we see Thomas featured and and in that section, uh, Jesus is planning to go to Jerusalem and He's going to raise His friend Lazarus from the dead. And the disciples realize that, look, it's dangerous for Him at this point because He's public enemy number one with the Jewish authorities. And this is right outside of Jerusalem where Lazarus was. Lazarus had died of sickness and so Jesus goes to raise him from the dead. Wonderful, glorious story. But, but in the process of the dialogue there, uh, Thomas, as they say, okay, we're going to go, he says, let us also go that we may die with Him. That's what he says in John 11. I don't think that's because Thomas is like, yeah, I'm ready to die with Jesus. I think it's more like, we're all going to die. That's kind of what he's saying. This, you know, Okay, I guess, but we're going to die. This is not smart. Um, gives you a picture of Thomas. Later on in chapter 14, we see Thomas as well. Jesus says, uh, as He's instructing His disciples getting ready for his death and resurrection, he's trying to equip them. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus says, So I'm going to prepare a place. You know the way I'm going. And then Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? He's not getting what Jesus is talking about. And in the famous answer, John 14.6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. I think we get a picture of Thomas from these verses and from the section we looked at in John 20. I think Thomas was a bit of a skeptic. I don't mean to say he had no faith. He had faith. He's a disciple. He's following. But, but he struggled with his faith. His faith was weak. His faith was frail, like Mary's was, but in a different way. Thomas seems to have relied on his own senses and his own rational thinking a bit too much. So he had some faith in Jesus, but he had a lot of faith in his own ability, I think, to think through things. His own senses, his own logic. Where Mary is devoted to Jesus even when things don't make sense, Thomas wouldn't be devoted unless things do make sense. That's kind of the difference here. It's interesting. I think we can find ourselves like Mary or like Thomas. And each of us, I think, can be in those different modes. Some of us maybe stay in one mode versus the other. A study was done actually a little while back where, where they, um, 
they presented the life of an impoverished girl in Africa, a real, a real person named Rokia, and then asked folks to contribute to a fund to care for this uh, girl. But one group was asked, before they got to that part, uh, they were asked a series of analytical questions before they got to the part about Rokia and, and sponsoring her. Uh, questions like, like, if an object travels at five feet per minute, by your calculations, how many feet will it travel in 360 seconds? Um, you don't have to answer that. But that's the question uh, that was asked before that. The other group was asked questions first as well, but very different. They were asked questions like, write down one word to describe how you feel when you hear the word baby. Can you guess how the responses were skewed? So then they were presented with Rokia and her need. The folks with the analytical questions gave it only one half the rate of the other group. There was something about being put in an analytical mode that kept them from kind of seeing the heart and the drama of this woman's life, this girl's life. I think Thomas was kind of locked into the analytical mindset. And he was trusting his rationalism more than Christ himself. And so we find him absent after the crucifixion. Perhaps Thomas had just thought it through, right? Like, okay, we all followed Jesus. We all believed He was who He said He was. We all believed He's the Messiah and the King. But then He died on the cross. And that's what criminals happens to criminals. That's epic fail here. So, obviously something's wrong with the equation. All right? he, we thought He was, and then He died. Makes no sense. Okay, so He can't be who He said He was. Alright, I'm moving on, guys. I'm moving on. And, and, and I think that's part of what was going on. I don't know the, we don't know the details. But that's what's going on in Thomas. He's just thinking, like, thinking through it, perhaps analytically. It doesn't make sense. And so when the disciples come back to him and say, we've seen him. He came and he appeared here. He's like, I'm done. I'm done with the, kind of the hopeful stuff. All right, I'm done with that. I did tried that before, then he died. I don't want that anymore. I want to move on. And so he says, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I'm not doing that again. You know, just as there are many Marys, there are many Thomases. There are many people out there, maybe one's right here, who have put a lot of confidence in their own ability to figure it out. You know, sometimes we do that because we've been hurt. We put our hope somewhere. That hope gets dashed. And then we find logical reasons not to be like that. And we're just as confused as Mary Magdalene. But we use logic and analysis perhaps to cover it. Of course, there can be legitimate questions one can ask. Faith and truth should be reasonable indeed. But at times we, we can be like Thomas where we put our hope in our senses and in our, in our limited, very limited ability to discern what is truth. And we need to be rescued from our cynicism. This story is here in John 20 to tell us that there are hope for the Thomases of this world. And if you are a Thomas or if you know one, there's hope for, for Thomases. There's hope because God is gracious and God condescends to help people like Thomas. That's what goes on in the story. Jesus shows up when Thomas is there. Can you imagine that moment? <laughs> 
Can you imagine that moment? You said, unless I put my hands in his side, I won't believe. And there he is. And what does he say? Okay, Thomas. Put your hands here. It's interesting. Mary wants to cling to him. And Jesus says, okay, that's enough. Jesus invites Thomas to come and touch him. Come and touch me. I'm real. Put your hands here in the marks. Touch my side. It's amazing encounter. They're both, both of them come and, and Thomas' confession is so profound. He, he does. He moves. He does a 180 in all of his thinking. All of his logic. All that goes on. It just totally turns around in that moment. And what does he say? My Lord and my God. It's, it's glorious. And it's just such a wonderful picture here for Thomas and for Mary. This scene is just as dramatic as Mary's encounter with Jesus. He appears and He clears up confusion about the resurrection. He shows Himself. He conquers doubt, despair, confusion, and self-sufficiency. Mary finds her Rabboni. Thomas finds his Lord and his God. Now it's interesting, in this section, we read it, it continues. It presents Mary and it presents Thomas. And then in verse 30, I think we have this to put up, verse 30, It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This last paragraph basically says, guys, now you've heard about Mary. You've heard about Thomas. What about you? See, these things are written that you may believe. These things are written that in hearing this story and their experience and hearing how they encountered Jesus, that you might believe. That you would have an encounter with Jesus and live in relationship with Jesus ever encountering Him and walking with Him. Yourself. That's why this is here. God's not merely interested in Mary and Thomas. He certainly is. He loves them. He's interested in you. And that's what Easter is about. That's what we celebrate. That He's a risen Savior alive so that we might know Him. And we might walk with Him. That we might put our faith in Him. That in our struggles, in our doubt, in our confusion, we would turn to Him. And He would reveal Himself to us. And He would strengthen us and bolster our faith. If the band could come up as we prepare a transition. On Friday... Before this resurrection, Jesus had gone to the cross and He had died on that cross. And He had, on that cross, taken on Himself the, the guilt of the world. You see, the reality is God wants us to know Him. He wants us to encounter Him like Mary and Thomas, but our sins have separated us from God. We've rebelled against Him. We live as rebels. We, left to ourselves, prefer it that way. And Christ went to that cross to bear the just penalty for sin on Himself. He died. He shed His blood on that cross. And He said something profound in John. He said on the cross, it is finished. In other words, I have paid for all sin. Past, present, and future. The work is done. It is finished. It stands finished now. He accomplished our forgiveness on the cross that through His resurrection and faith in Him, we might have forgiveness and life eternal. This is the message of Easter. This is the message of Mary and Thomas' lives. This is the message for you and for me.
That we would run to this Jesus and find forgiveness and find life and, and find strength and joy. Embrace Jesus this Easter Sunday and enjoy Him for all He is and all that He has done. Let's pray.